Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wildcat Playbook podcast right here at Beyond the Big Ten, your new digital platform for everything beyond the game around the exciting action of the Big Ten. You can follow us at Beyond the Big Ten. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy. So let's bring in our co-host right here. He is West End Golf Club's very own Fox 32, CHGO, and former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's going on, Joey? Uh, big win for the Cats, right? Cardiac Cats, they came back. 31-10 came from down. Watching the game, I got excited. Uh, I almost pulled my hamstring. I uh, got too excited. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it, it was a great win, right? Like, that's what, that's what they're known for, coming back from crazy situations to get the dub. Um, man, it was, it, was a, it was a tough game. Came down to the wire. Um, hats off to, to Minnesota, too. They... They, they got some talent on their team, but it was it was good for the Cats to get it up. Yeah, so happy to be here on a victory pod. Uh, watch out, West Division. Uh, the Wildcats are 2-2. Two and two. Uh, But let's here break down that game and talk a little ball. Uh, we have such a very special guest here. He's making his Beyond the Big Ten debut. He is the host from that other pregame show on CBS Sportsnet. Uh, he's Big Ten Network's very own former Minnesota Gophers standout and also former Chicago Bear defensive back. It's Brock Vereen. Brock, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Uh, still putting my heart back together after the debacle <laughs> that was Saturday night. But if there's one team that I'm happy that it happened against, it is Northwestern, uh, a tumultuous offseason to say the least. And seeing those fans storm the uh, field, uh, a welcome to campus moment for the uh, students who just entered school. I know they're on that funky quarter system over there. They're easy to root for. Uh, I will put it that way. The Wildcats are easy to root for uh, for this season. Um, man, incredible. Appreciate that. That, that, that yeah. means a lot, man. That means yeah. a lot after all, everything <laughs> we, in the offseason. We need you it. Know, I just, it, it was a tough time because, like, you know, to, to be, you know, tell everybody you went to Northwestern after all the allegations mm-hmm. and all that, it is, it's been very tough. So, hey, we'll, t- we'll take the dubs whenever we can. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Speaking of that dub right now, let's uh, let's throw off our kickoff and dive right into our first segment. It's called X's and O's. All right, X's and O's, you guys. Uh, Corey, I'm going to start off with you here right now, and I'm just going to keep it personal here. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, the season got off to a little bit of a rocky start for Northwestern. When I see the 21 to nothing score, I'm out here in Los Angeles. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't track the game play for play at that point. But then all of a sudden, Corey Wooten, hits me up on his phone and starts going, bro, are you watching this? Um, let's just start here. I mean, I, I don't know. Tale of two halves, right? Which half do you want to start yeah. with? And just walk us through the emotions that you had watching that game. Because 31 to 10, yeah. man, that comeback doesn't get any better than yeah. that. Yeah. So, so it's 21 nothing, with the exception of two minutes and 15 seconds in the second quarter, right? That's yep. when Ben Bryan had that big completion to Kurtz, uh, the deep ball for the touchdown. And that was kind of the game-changing when – Northwestern offensively finally get started to get things going. Defensively, they still struggled a little bit in the second half. Um, you know, there was a point uh, when it was, I believe it was, was it 30, uh, 31, or no, it was 20. I forget what, it was, whatever it was. It, was, it, was they, it got to 24 10, and then it went from yeah, 24 10 to 31 10. 31 yeah, 10 at one it, point. Yes, mm-hmm. 30, 31 10. And then the, the defining moment for me was when Taylor. Looked like he got stopped in the backfield by Gallagher, right? Met him in there, read the play. We're like, oh, we got him for a sec. Bounced off it, ran for a touchdown. I go, oh, my goodness. I said, the game is over at that point. I thought the game was done. I thought it was done. I thought there was no coming back from that. But then what you saw with Northwestern was rally, right? They kept 
they kept exploiting the zone coverage of Minnesota, right? They, they were attacking that zone in the middle. And that's what you saw towards the end of the game. Another touchdown from Kurtz, another touchdown from Henning. Uh, Porter ran in at the end. They started exploiting, you know, some, some of those matchups inside in the zone. And um, Ben Bryant, I mean, he was pressured. He was hit. He was moving all throughout the pot. He almost broke his neck on one play. They pulled him from behind. Um, I mean, the grit he had in that game, he almost threw for 400 yards. I think if it wasn't for the sack numbers, he would have been at that. I think he was 396, four touchdowns. But talking about comeback and then that last play, right, in overtime, right, after Minnesota kicks the field goal, the, the boot and the throwback, that was unbelievable. <laughs> the play calling right there. They, they completely okie doke them. up. Heck of, heck, of, heck of a way to get that play going. But, yeah, they kept fighting the whole game, right? Everyone thought this game was over. Like, Taylor and company were dominating them. I think he had, what, almost seven yards of pop out there. It was, it was unbelievable to see. Corey, uh, you know, you're absolutely right, man. Yeah, Ben Bryan on the totals, 33 of 49, 396 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, spread the football around. Bryce Kurtz, huge game, 10 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns, like you mentioned, that 80-yard score before the half. Uh, Brock, I want to throw it over to you. Uh, you know, more importantly, I, I, I'd love to hear what you think went right in that first half. What did you like that you saw from the Gophers offensively? Um, and then just talk a little bit about maybe some of those breakdowns and how, you know, how does a team – uh, burn a 21-point lead like that. Uh, but for, start with the positives with the Gophers. What did you like from them in the first half? The positives were the running back in Darius Taylor. So good. And you go back and – I mean, he, he is the next great Minnesota back. That is a foregone conclusion to be that young and look that confident in those moments. Um, it, it's impressive. It, it is impressive. And I, I went back and watched it because similar to you, Joey, the game gets out of hand. I said – Let's see what Ohio State Notre Dame got going on. Because <laughs> you, did, you, did this one, you did what I did, but the other way. <laughs> this one might be a wrap. I didn't yeah. know they lost that game until I get a text from I ran track for a guy whose son uh, just committed to Northwestern. And he texted me talking all kind of trash. Like, what are you talking about? I, I put up the app. I said, you've got to be kidding me. So that's how I found out that they lost. But – I went back and watched it, and in the first half, yes, Darius Taylor was running hard, but he was getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage way too often. The difference is in the second half, Northwestern started wrapping up. He was having mm. to sidestep. Uh, like like Corey brought up, Gallagher had him dead to rights, and he just kind of slipped out of it. Those were the moments that were going right for Minnesota in the first half that were not going right for them in the second half. The offensive line has been... Trend in the wrong direction, really. That Nebraska game, they won a couple battles. Eastern Michigan, they dominated, but they should against Eastern Michigan. And the past two weeks, I'm not going to go as far as to say exposed because they are young. They lost a ton of guys a year ago. But Northwestern won the line of scrimmage, and they won it the whole game. It's just that they were wrapping in the second half. So it was disappointing to see them blow that lead. But you realize when you go back and watch that, okay, if Northwest just cleans up a couple things, Minnesota's not getting anything in the second half. The pass game was inconsistent in the first half. And when you are playing ahead and you remove the pass game entirely, and mm. now Northwestern's catching up and you try to implement it all over again, it doesn't work that way. Not with how clunky it's been throughout the year. So 
Northwestern won that game in every right. I, I don't even see it as a situation that Minnesota blew it. I see a situation that Minnesota took advantage of a lot of mistakes Northwestern was making from the fundamental standpoint, and they got those cleaned up in the second half. No, I, I agree with you on that one. The only thing I'm wondering about, right, when the game's on the line, Taylor's not even in the game, right, in a situation where you have to get a critical first down, right, to ice the game essentially to keep Northwestern from getting the football back, driving down, tying up the game. Taylor's on the sideline. I'm thinking, what are they doing right now? They cannot stop him at all. He's not even in the game. He's their best player. You're looking at somebody that's been breaking tackles all game. Why is he not in the game? Now, I was scratching my head thinking, why is he not in the game? Did, did he get banged up or do you know anything about yeah. that? Yeah, Brock, before you weigh in really quick, yeah. just some context for our audience. Darius Taylor is the guy who ran the ball 31 times for 198 yards and two scores Oof. in that game. Over his last three games, six yards a clip, 160, 176 rushing yards a game, and four touchdowns over his last three. So, I mean, just, just putting... Just putting the stats to what Corey was saying, Brock, uh, you know, what did you see out there and why, yeah, why did they go away from him? The only thing I can think is Bryce Williams, who was their third down guy, sixth year guy, I believe at minimum fifth year guy with the COVID year. I can never keep track of who was what year. <laughs> My only thinking is they trusted him in the high stakes moment, but that's not a justification for me. He was the best thing for that offense outside of a couple accurate throws to some really good receivers who didn't really get to shine too well. Um, they, they, they didn't get too many op- too many opportunities downfield. He was the best player on the field, and for him to slowly get phased out of the game as it went on did not make sense to me. When you're playing with a 21-point lead, Minnesota comes out and it's, okay, we're going to run the ball first down, run the ball second down, and if it's short enough, we're going to run it third down. But tick, tick, tick. What right? I... Exactly. But what I didn't like was that they love the RPO zone read scheme, right? They're in shotgun. It's a very long action. It's a very long play. It's a zone scheme. And I understand that as your base offense. What frustrates me is when you're playing from ahead and you're running the ball from ahead, get those receivers off the field, put the tight ends on the field, get under center, get a fullback in there. That was disappointing to me. Running the football in a contentious game, and running the football when we are trying to eat up clock and just move those guys out of the way are two completely different things. And that part of the playbook was just never brought to light. And it was frustrating to watch. But at the same time, credit to Northwestern uh, for finding a little bit of momentum and just rolling with it. Because once that train started going, it was not going to stop. Exactly. It's something that we, me and Joey had talked about last week with the quarterback, Ben Bryant. We challenged him, right? We were, uh, we were talking and I said it too. I said, they maybe have to go with a two quarterback situation because what we saw through the first couple of weeks, the offense wasn't moving. It was stagnant. Decision-making was questionable. And what I saw was Ben Bryant step up to the plate and put the team on his back because it wasn't pretty throughout the whole game. But like I said, that defining moment, you know, two two fifteen in the second quarter, when they had that long 80-yard pass to Kurtz, that's when we started to see some confidence from him moving in the pocket. And Minnesota did a pretty good job rushing him for the most part, but he was eluding that rush, stepping up in the pocket, and it was a thing of beauty. They really exploited, like I talked about, that that middle zone coverage, right? They were able to really make their mark in there, and that's what you saw. And Minnesota really didn't make adjustments to that because there were three times in a row where they drove down and scored um, 
off of off of those the middle zone coverage. So it was hats off to Northwestern. They did a great job game planning, coming back, rallying the troops. And especially I love that that last play call in overtime. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a great play. You're testing the coverage and you know that on the back end, right? When they do that hard, that hard play fake that buys the eyes real quick. And all of a sudden that tight end just slips back there. Thing of beauty. So it was a great play to walk off that. Um, but but hats off to Northwestern because this was the Ben Bryant that I had sought at Cincinnati in Eastern Michigan, a guy that can show poise in the pocket, that can rally the troops, make plays when he needs to, and lead them to consecutive scores to, to ice that game. You, you, you bring up such a good point because the, the game plan for Minnesota was clear. We're just going to sit back in zone and force you to beat us because they didn't feel that Ben Bryant would be accurate enough, consistent enough to beat them. And he did. And even when the gap started closing, there was never a situation. I mean, Minnesota brought pressure on a couple third and longs just to keep them honest. But the game plan was clearly sit back in a soft zone. We don't feel this guy can beat us. And he did. He, he absolutely did. He is trending the right direction from that uh, from that Rutgers game that started the season. Exactly. That's it's, not, it's a that's huge not faulty. to go into. That's not faulty scouting, though, right, Corey? I mean, we've seen it. I mean, he's yeah. just been he's been oh, yeah. inaccurate through these couple of games, and I think that's a strong yep. game plan to go on. Hop in, Corey. And and how about uh, playing Penn State this week for Northwestern? A yeah. huge confidence boost, right? Against against a defense that played lights out against Iowa, right at their their wideout. So it's good now that Northwestern is at home against Penn State. I know their fan base travels well, so they'll be loud there. But I think it's just a good confidence-building game for a Northwestern team that really um, last season and up to this game really struggled to, to pass the ball efficiently. And you can look back from Northwestern from when I was there to when you were there. Every time they were a good football team, they had a dominant quarterback. And yeah. was uh, Simeon the quarterback when you were there? He was there for King yeah. Coulter. Yeah, we did transfer. So mm. Coulter was there for the back year. Simeon was there. And Dan Sim- Persa. Simeon was a little older, right? Yep, yep. So when I got yeah. to college, it was Simeon. When I left, uh, Coulter, I, I played against both of them two times each probably. Okay, yep. So the Northwestern, like when I was there, Mike Kafka, right? We had Brett Bazinet, uh yeah. Dan Persa. Right, mm. Clayton Thorson, uh, Trevor Simeon, uh, Kane Coulter. So every time Northwestern has been successful, it relies on the quarterback because that that spread them out scheme. You have to have a guy that can sling the rock. If not, it's not going to work. Right. So yeah. you spread them out, and then all of a sudden, that's how you open up the passing. And what I saw with Minnesota in the second half a couple of times when they were spreading them out when Taylor had a nice run. So what you do is you exploit that matchup with the linebacker. Gallagher's out covering a wide receiver, right? He has to honor that. And then all of a sudden he's a little late to the party because he essentially has B-gap, right, in there. So he's coming late to the party. Then all of a sudden you exploit that. So that, that's what Northwestern has always done, dating yeah. back to when I played with Tyrell Sutton, who was a dynamic running back. Yeah. But they set it up off the ability to pass the ball. So I think that's a good sign for Northwestern going into a very dominant defense in Penn State because if they could pass the ball, then all of a sudden they can open up some of those run lanes. Cam Porter looked good in that game. Love um, Cam they Porter. They do have some playmakers. So, Yeah, let's uh, – love perfect love transition, Porter, Corey. Man. Yeah, let's, let's roll it forward, you guys. Uh, let's move it over to our next segment here and look forward to uh, the next coming up slate of games. Uh, we'll do a little scouting report. 
Scouting report right here on Wildcat Playbook. I'm being joined by my co-host, former Bears defensive end, Corey Wooten, also Big Ten Network and former Bear himself, Brock Vereen. Uh, Brock, you know, scouting report. Let's look forward now. You know, this is where Minnesota has to pick up the pieces and move it forward. Um, you know, they're playing Louisiana this week, and then I think they have Michigan the week after that. Oh, yes, they so do. So just let's, let's keep it simple, right? How must win is this must win week for Minnesota to, to stay competitive in this Big Ten conference? It's everything, and even though it's not a Big Ten conference game, uh, there needs to be a lot of confidence in the quarterback room. Uh, Ethan Kaliak Manis, he's the guy. They put all their chips in on him. He has the arm strength. He has the athletic ability. It's just not clicking right now, and there hasn't been tangible growth just yet. I would argue for a guy who filled in for Tanner Morgan sparingly last year, played the bowl game last year, the trajectory he was on flattening out a little bit and he'll be the first to admit that you look at that wide receiver room. There's, there's too much talent. You look at that running back room. There's too much talent, the tight end room. There's too much talent for the lack of offense, right? The ingredients aren't there are, are there. Uh, but what's getting cooked up just isn't up to standard. I would expect them to come out there chucking the football because they're going to need both to mm. beat the Michigans, to beat the Ohio States. They know that they can run the football. There, there's no question about it. So if you need to run the football just to get some momentum going, just to get the uh, juices flowing, that's fine. I say you have to give Ethan at least 40 pass attempts. You have to get him comfortable. There is no room for error. The Big Ten West is going to come down to the last week. That's just the chaos that is the West that is exciting at times, sloppy at others. So you're not out of it, <laughs> but you are going to be out of it if Ethan is not fully confident going into Michigan. You don't have to beat Michigan, but you have to play much better than you did uh, the second half against Northwestern. And Corey knows Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they may not be recruiting all the five stars, but you know what they do? They get the guys that transfer out of LSU. They get the guys that transfer yep. out of Georgia. Uh... They get the yep. guys who went to Florida State, didn't play, then yep. came back. Like, Louisiana has dudes. Dudes do. who may not have panned out elsewhere, yep. but dudes that had plenty of Power 5 yep. offers. So it's the perfect the perfect setup. It's a game that you should be expected to win against Power 5 talent that's just not playing yep. Power 5 anymore. They're, they're a team like Troy, right? That, yeah, that has a yes. bunch of athletes, <laughs> right, that, that'll – on any any given Saturday, upset you and play you play you mm -hmm. down to the wire. So that that's a game that's that's tough. But I agree with you. I think from Minnesota standpoint, right? You look you look at the the run to pass, right? Nineteen passes to forty two runs, right? In a situation you have such a great running game, why not work the play action? Like you said, great receivers, mm -hmm. a great tight end, and then all of a sudden it just takes the pressure off the quarterback because that threat of the run, you know you can run the football. So just setting that up more. So I agree with you. I need to see some more of that pass game because to beat some of these really good teams, they're, they're going to load up the box and say, yep, beat me with your arm, right? And they <laughs> yep. have dudes that can rush the passer. They got guys that can cover. So all of a sudden, that working on that passing game becomes that much more critical to beating some, some of the great teams in the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, that's the, a great call. Corey, oh, I'm sorry, Brock. Go ahead, man. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Joy. Oh, I was just going to I I was going to roll it over to to Northwestern just really quickly, Corey. I mean, we yeah. weren't going to go too deep into the keys of the game. Um, look, obviously, yep. I think we all believe that uh, Penn State is a superior opponent. 
um, you know, Brock, at the beginning of the season, you know, we were kind of looking and trying to hunt and find where is Northwestern going to maybe pick up a couple of wins this year. They're at two right now. I don't think that anyone's expecting them to come out and do it again this week. But Corey, you know, um, let's talk about maybe more like aesthetically or talk about what it's like emotionally in the locker room right now. They're coming off yeah. such a huge comeback cat classic yeah. win. You know, what do you want to see from them? It's not going to be about a final score, right? It's going to be more about like the operation and continuously trying to improve upon that. So for you right now, is it is it continuously trying to get Ben Bryant's confidence up? We got a couple of games in the bag now where Cam Porter's got at least 16, 17 carries. Uh, you talked a little bit pre-pod about the defensive line. You know, what areas of the football team would you like to see kind of show out a little bit, be, a, be as competitive as possible and walk away from the game saying, you know what? I think we made a little progress today. Again, another yeah, week in a row. I, uh, a point that, that Brock brought up was the missed tackles, right? That's something that can't happen, mm. right? As defensive players, right? If you have a man dead to rights in the backfield to stop him on fourth and one, you got to be able to stop him. Same other situations. Anytime you have that penetration, and, and what makes me think is guys are not rallying to the ball enough, right? Because sometimes you don't always make that tackle on the first attempt. It's rallying to the football. So I want to see them as a collective unit rally to the football right because that first guy isn't always going to make the tackle but you you slow him down a little bit then you rally the troops then you're able to get that tackle for a even gain or a one yard gain as opposed to a 20 30 40 yard gain what we saw with taylor doing unbelievable with the break tackle so i want to see them rally the troops defensively right because they were in some good situations but hats off to taylor he's an impressive guy his ability to, to break tackles is unbelievable but you cannot win football games against a Penn State doing that. Let's just be honest, yeah. right? Their defense is is too dominant to be able to give offense, you know, 31 points like Iowa did, right? They held Iowa to 76 yards of total offense. So they are for real at Penn State. I know they were at home. They had the whiteout. But this yeah. is a team that can play. And that's why I'm like, this win for Northwestern couldn't have come at a better time, right? Coming into this game. Now they have a little bit of confidence, right? If they if they played this game against Minnesota, didn't look so good. All of a sudden, now I'm worried about their psyche. Now they're thinking like this: we can beat Penn State, right? And if they would have had a bad loss, they're like, "There's no way, right? We're going to get blown out." Then you get inside your head a little bit. So now Ben Bryant coming off a great performance, they really uh, exploited some of the zone coverages, right? Penn State, every team around there uses some of those zone coverages. So there are some gaps there. Now they kind of figure out how to do things. So Northwestern, if I'm if I'm them, I'm spreading Penn State out, right? I'm I'm working mm -hmm. the run game. I'm testing their linebacker, right? Is he going to be able to fill in that in that B gap? And then all of a sudden, once you get them thinking, we work that play action, and they exploit some of those zones in there. Um, so if I'm if I'm Northwestern, that's what I'm doing this week against Penn State. I love that, Corey. And also, you know, when we're talking about building on this last week comeback win, uh, I wouldn't recommend going down to Penn State 21 to nothing in the first half and going, <laughs> no. we'll be fine. Been here nope. before. Um, but no, I wouldn't recommend that. I think those are, are great keys and something for Wildcats fan to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to get to our final segment here. Let's hop on over to Word on Campus. All right, I hear a word on campus with the Wildcat playbook. Uh, Brock, you know, this is your first time here on Beyond the Big Ten. This is an opportunity to, to talk ball, uh, talk about your past experiences, uh, what you learn, and maybe what you see with some of the current situations going on, either with Minnesota or across the conference. Um, you know, this is an opportunity. I, I, I told you guys pre-pod uh, to bring the questions that maybe you had for each other. Uh, you both played for Trestman. 
So I'm just going to leave that there if you decide to go that route. But I'm going to I'm going to open it up like this, guys. Let's keep it easy. Uh, let's keep it on the headlines. I just want to ask both of you, have either of you been a part of a 21 point comeback or have you guys ever been a part of a game where you gave up a 21 point plus lead? Um, and what does that feel like on both sides of the ball? And whoever wants to go first, Brock, you want to hop in? Sure. Yeah, you go it's, first, Brock. <laughs> it's um, the best way to describe it is it's like a dream in that you, no, no matter how fast you're running, it's not fast enough. They're, they're just a step faster. No, 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 no matter how much you, you try to get away from something, it's right behind you. It, it's, it's this feeling of doom, like a dark shadow over you, where it's okay, these are the same guys who we were just up on in the first quarter. How is it in the fourth quarter with the clock ticking down? We had a 17 point lead. Now it's a three point lead. How, how is it all of a sudden <laughs> I'm slower? How is it all of a sudden their quarterback can throw it further? How, how is he more accurate? It's, it's, it's every little detail that amasses to 17 points just disappearing like that matters that much more you feel like you are sitting in quicksand you start questioning how tired you are every every little thing that doesn't go your way it just weighs five pounds heavier five pounds heavier and on the flip side you look across to the other sideline and they feel lighter they feel spry they don't need water they're not even sweating it's 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 this compounding (laughs) factor of momentum and even with 18, whether you are 18, whether you are 24, whether you are 34 playing in the league, momentum is a thing and it gets in your head. I don't care who you are and you just have to fight it and you just have to hope and pray that someone goes out there and makes a play because they always say, don't let a team hang around, right? You have to bury them. And that's what they mean because as the tables start to turn yards are easier to come by for the team that's closing the gap because they start to believe hey we're gonna win this game and the other team starts to believe oh my god are we actually gonna lose this game it is a real thing and we saw it in action uh last saturday night yeah oh man i love it go for for me my my my, uh worst (laughs) we got came back like um so 2006 right uh, we're playing Michigan State. We're up thirty-one to three. Drew Stanton's the quarterback, right? Okay. We're we're whooping him, right? We we got a good game plan. We're he's turning the ball over, and halftime, you know, we're we're in there riding high. We're feeling good about everything. Uh, our linebacker Nick Roach, who played with me on the Bears, he broke his ankle that game, right? So he's done for the season. We have another guy come in, and just they 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 went at him all that second half, right? Drew Stanton and them carving away carving away and they end up winning the game 41 to 38 we were up 31 to 3 it was the biggest comeback in college football and i just remember after that game just feeling so embarrassed right we played so well in the first half and we let that team claw back and beat us like 31 to 3 like that's that's game blouses that's you you (laughs) hand the controller over when you're playing you know ncaa or madden (laughs) they came back on us and yeah, I just remember just seeing on ESPN because you know when when the biggest comeback happens or yeah. you get beat by a one double A team, it's all over the place, and you just feel so embarrassed about it. And everyone's like, "What happened? What?" I, yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know what happened. Like literally, literally, it's the most embarrassing thing when somebody comes back on you, thirty-one to three. We had the game unlocked, and they absolutely came back and to win that game. Um, 
to, to lose that game for us was just, it was depressing. It really was. Do you got a, do you got a comeback, Corey? Cause I, I mean, just for me, I, I, I played baseball in my athletic yeah. life. And for me, yeah. just the analogy of that was like, we were once down by yeah. 11 runs and we just yeah. did, you know what? Oh, let's just get it to seven. Yeah, I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta right? come back. And then when it got to back. seven, you're like, you're like, wait a second, what if we got <laughs> yeah. to four? And then when it got <laughs> yeah. to four, it was yeah. like runners on second and third game on, and the next thing you know, you know what I mean, it all falls yeah. apart for them. Yeah. I, I, against against his alma mater, Minnesota, in 2008. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. You know, I got a bunch of gray hairs and all that. But, ba- but back back when uh, it was in it was in uh, Metrodome, right? That's that's when Minnesota played in Metrodome, right? So we play there. Um, we're down most of the game. Mike Kafka comes in this year. He he wasn't a full-time starter, but he came in for C.J. Bechet. He's balling out, running the football. I think he set Northwestern's record for rushing for a quarterback. Um, you know, we're clawing back in this game. Brendan Smith, uh, safety, uh, number 39 for us. Or he was number four at the time, rather. He changed his number. But he had a pick towards the end of the game, ran it back to the house to put us up in the game. And I think there was like two seconds left, but that iced the game right there, pick six. And I I was hoping I didn't get called for holding because you know when you're blocking <laughs> on those returns, like, you know, somebody goes this way and then all of a sudden Got, uh, yeah, luck, you you yeah. have to hold. I held every single time. Every single time. <laughs> exactly. But that they, they just showed they showed that play actually on Big Ten Network um as as a comeback in the you know uh against minnesota and northwestern so it was good to see that and uh i was showing my wife and said oh that's you right there i was like yeah we get we got the dub on that one so that was that was a good comeback for us and uh i love playing at that stadium even even in the nfl too um always love there's fast surface and uh fans were always rocking you know for minnesota you know a gophers and for for the vikings so it was a it was a good atmosphere in that stadium Oh, yeah, we got just a couple man. minutes here. Yeah, oh, you go for it. No, no. The the, the only thing that I I, w- I was gonna say is the fan involvement that always blew me away at Northwestern is, yeah, it's not the big house with the hundred eight thousand people. Who, however many people there, it may not be Penn State with with, with all those people, but. The Northwestern Stadium brought such an intimidating factor of when things are going wrong, you are just sitting there with it's it's six in the morning because that's the only time that Northwestern wants to play football for for whatever reason. <laughs> early it's <bird>. so early, <laughs> and but but what happens is because they would only play us at eleven a.m., the stadium was so much more full in the fourth quarter than it was in the first quarter. So when things stop going your way, like, okay, now it's louder. People are showing up. Students are watching it on TV. Oh, let's go over there and check out the game really quick. And <laughs> it was such a unique thing that I, I got to say only Northwestern had. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Wildcats can come back on a lot of people because of that. And I will live and die by that fact because the stadium gets <laughs> more full as the game goes on if you play them in the morning and you can't prepare for that at all well it's it's, o- it's only if we're coming back in the game or we're doing well then more fans are coming. if not they're like <laughs> fair they're like fair. f this we we're going back home we're gonna study a little bit all right we got we got we got this chemistry test tomorrow right we got this engineering we got to do we got pre-med yep. you know <laughs> Going off and making a difference. Yeah, Brock, it's funny. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me. We ran it on the season preview 
Um, but it was something along the lines of over the last 120 games that Northwestern has played, they actually lead the country. Um, Division one football, the most games decided between scores of seven points or less. They had something like 38 or 39 percent of their final scores over the last 120 games were seven points or less. So good or bad win and loss. I mean, that was kind of our that was a bit of our drumbeat yeah. early on in the season is that, you know, the cats are going to be in some games. Um, how many they'll win? We don't know. But uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah, competitive yeah. football was what we were going for. And that's a little bit of what we got. Gentlemen, we got to get out of here in just a couple of minutes. But again, uh, I wanted to open this up to you guys. I mean, did you guys have a question for each other? You want to talk a little ball real quick? You could talk college yeah. days. You could talk pro ball, whatever you want. Yeah. Each of you toss each other a question. Uh, Corey, you want to toss one first out to Brock? Yeah, yeah. I wanna, uh, so so what was your favorite? I know you got drafted to the Bears. Uh, what was your favorite team to play for and and why? I will say, and I, I don't, no one in the world will take this as disrespect. I learned more about football being in New England for a year than I had, I would have been 23, than I had for the previous 22 years of my life. My my brother had already been there, so I knew all the guys and I knew how, how, how they operated. Um, he had a Super Bowl ring, so obviously you're doing something right. And who doesn't know about Bill Bill Belichick, right? But what I didn't realize was how everyone in that building was so cerebral at what they did from from the wait staff to the cafeteria to the person at the security gate. Everyone you felt like you were talking up to with just enough intimidation, but more so they know more about this specific thing that they're talking about than you will ever know. And it allows you to trust them because when Belichick walks over and says, hey, uh, the second third down of this game, I think they're going to run this play. It allows you to trust them immediately because if anybody else said that, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it, but I'm not just going to sell out on that play. Every little thing in that building is so specific that when he says, hey, I think that guy's going to run a slant. You're just going to sell out on the slant. I don't care if it's cover two. I don't care if it's if you're supposed to blitz. You know it's a slant because you trust that him being so smart means he trusts everyone that he hires to also be on their A game. And yeah. it, it, it goes such a long way. I'll, yeah, I'll ask not, you. Yeah. A similar situation is a, a similar question. Who's the teammate that you learn the most from? What and it it could be high school, it could be yeah. Pop Warner, it could be it, it could be at any yeah. level. I would say uh, when I played for the Bears, Israel Donaje, right? He, uh, okay. he started out his career as a journeyman. He was uh he's he's from Canada. He went to Manitoba College over there. Got um, undrafted free agent to Cleveland. Um, then came to the Bears and was a dominant special teams player for for from like '03 to about 2010 when they – or 2009 when he started playing defense. Yeah. Um, but he's 6'6", 290, 300 pounds, running out there, wedge buster. Then, you know, would play D-tackle, play D-end. And then he finally started 2010, 2011, and just was such a great teammate. Like, me and him, you know, we're obviously in competition with each other. But literally anything I needed, helping me with the defense, helping me about life, different things, uh, you know, he was just awesome. And you know that not everybody in the league is like that because obviously, right, I'm fighting for his job just like somebody you're fighting for their job for. So not everybody's going to help you out. But I always saw him like as a big brother. 
he looked after me and he was like, yo, whatever you need, I got you. And, and that's nothing but respect. And I've always looked at this in the NFL, like I've always thought it's a competition against myself. Right. So when rookies would come in, when I got to be a veteran guy, I'm like, Hey, I, I want to help them along the way. Right. Because it, this is a competition. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about myself getting one day better. So that's how I've always approached it. And it was great to have a guy like Israel Donage, uh, one of one of the best guys I ever played with. Just a really good person, good dude, and had an awesome career. Um, you know, just unbelievable. Like if if you ever see special teamer, a guy that's like three hundred pounds, busting <laughs> wedges. This is before they they you he know now some kicks, right, Corey, right. zone, nothing happens. Block kicks he too. Some goals, right? He yeah, was yeah, literally yeah. on every special teams, three hundred something pounds moving down there. And I mean, he looks, he looks like a Marvel comic book character. He probably had, he probably had 8% body fat, six pack, you know, he, he, he he looked like an action figure. It was unbelievable, but such a good dude. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, and, and back to what you were talking about Belichick, right? The the whole staff in new England being smart. I feel like that's how our defense was under Lovey Smith. And I wish you would have had the opportunity to play under Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli, because they were the Mm. same thing. Like literally when I, when I played, like they knew everything that was going to happen, right? Our preparation was unbelievable. Um, and then playing with guys like Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs. I remember how many times me playing defense then, they'd be like, watch the boot, watch the boot. They'd run boot. Like, oh, watch the trap. <laughs> trap would happen. Yeah. Counter, right? He's coming down. Like they would call out everything. And it was so great to be around such talented guys that were so smart and understood the game. And it made your job that much easier, right? Yeah. When you were out there, you could just play. So, yeah, I had Tressman my, my last year in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it was – we basically had the same defense. Uh, Mel Tucker was our coordinator. Yep. Uh, and we went from top five in 2012 to dead last in every category. So coaching does matter, even at the NFL level. And you know this. Patriots, hey, they're struggling now. But why do you think every quarterback that they've had for the most part, right, Jimmy G, Matt Castle, all these guys, when Tom Brady gets hurt, Jacoby Brissett, they put them in a position to succeed, right? They do do. things the right way, right? They find people like Rob Ninkovich, right, that people toss to the side, this guy can't play, and they find a place for him. That's what the Patriots do. And going on to what the Bears, because me and Joey do a Bear show, they're they're, they're not doing Mm -hmm. that for Justin Fields, right? They're doing him a disservice because he's one of the best – mobile quarterbacks in the league and and they're ruining them right now because of the coaching so i think it's not all coaches are created equal and to your point right belichick and and, and the staff i had in chicago defensively it's so refreshing to see when teams are run like that and 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 it it displays that in the games it really does so that's, that's a good point you brought up yeah, I um couple couple notes on both of your guys' stories, which were wonderful. First of all, uh, Corey, uh, my favorite part about that that Izzy was your favorite teammate. Uh, was that from our end? Izzy was a huge fan favorite, man. And it is really, I, yeah. I just find it really funny that you mm. you followed in his footsteps and you then became the fan favorite after Izzy was yeah, around. You know what I mean? Like those yeah, guys that showed he's up. He's awesome, and, man. Yeah, those splash plays, and you guys both played great special teams. That's so awesome. And then Brock, man, when you talk about the Patriots, he was just bringing up the Bears. I was just like. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, <laughs> Coach it's just, staff it's... knows what they're doing. They're putting their players in a position to succeed. Um, God, yeah. they 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 know yeah. the league. They can. I mean, God, just it's exactly. It's night and day it's, in Chicago it's, it's, it's right unfortunate. now. Unfortunate. Like co- coaching, a hundred percent matters, right? Like, and and Brock, you get attest to this, right? Like, don't you feel like there's some guys that come in the league, right? Maybe aren't as talented as another guy. 
but they go to the right system. And then all of a sudden they become a Pro Bowl player. They become a Hall of Fame type player. And then there's another player that came out. This guy is the future. He's a he's guaranteed Pro Bowl or he's this. And his career doesn't develop, right? And people look at him. He, he was a bust. Uh, I, I think a lot of it comes down to coaching, right? There's some guys that can play in any system, right? There are guys, right? Aaron Rodgers can probably play in any system. And there's yeah. other guys that need a good coach and a good system. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would say that when the Rams won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I would argue that is the only time that they that the team that won the Super Bowl was unanimously considered the team with the most talent. I would argue every other year yeah. you would point to a different oh, wow. team and say that's the most talented team on paper. The the Rams winning it again, the first time I can only say on paper they had the most talent. Coaching's everything, man. Coaching's everything. Yeah. It is. <laughs> like like look at look at the uh the Patriots for years, all their Super Bowls, right? The Giants when they when they yeah. beat the Patriots, right? With with uh, Eli Manning, like putting up mm -hmm. pedestrian numbers. The defense yeah. won those championships, right? And mm -hmm. and and literally they had to they had to scrap to to get into that Super Bowl, the Giants on yeah. both of those times. So it just uh, coaching does matter. It, it really yes, does. Sir. It, it makes the yes, difference sir. between between guys developing into the potential mm -hmm. that they saw them when they drafted and them not panning out the way they wanted to. Well said, Gentlemen, sir. Gentlemen, this was so fantastic. We got to get out of here. This is the Wildcat Playbook. Yeah, right here on the Beyond the Big Ten. Follow us at Beyond the Big Ten. Uh, my name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for hopping in. Uh, thank you for checking us out wherever you get your podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you tell a friend. And even if you're not a Northwestern Wildcat fan, uh, make sure you check out the wonderful other shows we have going on at the Big Ten. Um, Brock Vereen, thank you so much, man. I'm so excited to have you uh, joining our universe into the Beyond the Big Ten. We can't wait to, to hear all your excellent content moving forward. Uh, toss out your socials man and thank you so much for making the time anytime gentlemen uh at brock vereen i believe there may be a brock dot vereen in there but uh if you search one of those i'm sure one of them <laughs> is the right one so <laughs> thank Sneaky. you guys seriously any 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 anytime yeah. and uh a genuine congrats to the wildcats it, it, it stinks that my gophers had to fall but again i reiterate if it had to be to anyone it's hard not to root for the kids at Northwestern who are uh, unfortunately having to face um, face the PR of some mistakes of the past. So hopefully they can get some more down the yeah. road. Definitely, appreciate man. you, man. Pre thank appreciate you, so you much. coming on, man. Yeah, a lot yeah, of fun, so, man. So, so good. This was really great. Um, thank you so much for checking out this episode, everyone. Hey, if you're listening to this right now, this Saturday morning, Wildcat Alley, Beyond the Big Ten, and Tail Greeter. We are doing an event before Penn State and Northwestern. We're going to have some delicious food, maybe have a couple cocktails. And, oh, yeah, me and Corey, we're going to be there. So come say hello to former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. Um, let's have a great time in the morning because who knows what's going to happen with that final score. But that's what we do as sports fans. Uh, we come together. We bond together. Be well, be safe. Please be good <laughs> to each other. Corey, man, take us home. I tried to do the best yeah. I can to spin that, baby. I'm not saying we're yeah, winning. Yeah, no, no. Let's another, have a good time. Another uh... – Another great pod. Great having Brock on there with with his insight about Minnesota and just talking about his days in the league and, and you know, yeah. his time in the Patriots. Re really informative. Appreciate you sharing that. And uh, hopefully Northwestern can can bounce back and, and have another strong performance. Right. They, they, they finally moved the ball offensively. This is the Ben Bryant that we that we hoped we'd see from from week one. Right. But. He's kind of got that confidence, and now you're going into this Penn State game with a different mind frame, right? Spread them out, right? Air the ball out, run the ball here, take the pressure, 
off everything, right? I think if you spread them out, you can open up things a little bit. But this defense is real from Penn State, so you got to spread them out. You got you got to exploit some of those zone matchups. So hopefully they can do that this week and be competitive. I don't think they're going to win, but the the main thing I just want them to put up a respectable showing in this game and just improve on what they did last week. Wrap wrap up and tackle, get the offense yeah. going. That's what I want to see, Joey. Weekly improvement. We'll see you next week. Cats, cats, cats. Thanks for tuning in.